If you've been out for a little while or this is your first Sunday, um, we've been going passage by passage through 1 Corinthians. Um, and Corinth was a congregation that had a lot of issues. They were really immature. They had a lot of questions, a lot of misunderstandings. And throughout the whole book, Paul takes uh, the gospel, this big story about Jesus Christ and what God is doing in the world through Jesus and what, what his death and resurrection mean. He takes that story and he applies it to all sorts of issues. So uh, in the last three weeks, um, we've talked about how the gospel applies to sexual immorality. Last week, we talked about how the gospel applies to marriage. And we talked about how, uh, how marriage is God's provision and gift to us um, for uh, our sexual and relational desires. It's a good thing. One, one even, even in fact, if we're not gifted to be single, if we're not content single, then one we should pursue. And there's a lot of details in that and a lot of things. If you're interested in that, uh, the lesson, and you missed it, the lesson's posted online. Uh, but um, what I love about the scriptures, and what I love about teaching the Bible, is that the Bible is a very balanced book. There aren't a lot of one-sided truths in the Bible. I'll give you an example. Uh, in Ephesians 1, you can read that God predestined his people before time began. That if you were a Christian this morning, that means that God looked through time before creation, and he chose you and saved you. And that's why you're a Christian. Um, but you can go off on a lot of really uh, dumb conclusions from that truth. You can think, well, it doesn't matter how I live, or are there people who, have no, you know, who can't believe in Jesus? Um, but the Bible balances that statement. Uh, you can read all over the scriptures. If you are not a believer, you believe in Jesus today, and you'll be saved. And if you are a believer, you can hear Jesus say in Matthew 24, he who endures to the end will be saved. Do you all see the balance there? We're secure, but we still have to endure. And uh, what I love about the passage we're about to read is that it is a wonderful balance, uh, both to what we talked about last week regarding marriage and about generally how we think about marriage. Most of them here would say uh, marriage is a good thing. Uh, the Proverbs even say that he who finds a wife, or like you'd say a spouse, finds a good thing. They receive favor from God. Um, it's very tempting to think that singleness is a, a less than ideal option. But this passage balances all the good things we know about marriage with some really important realities. We'll see that, uh, that married life divides you. Uh, it makes you less available for God-honoring ministry. And it's just good. It's just good to have balance. It's very tempting to think that marriage will solve all your problems, and really, it will just change your problems. Um, we'll dive in, in a second. One, one really quick clarification. If you look at uh, verse twenty-five, it says, "Now concerning the betrothed." If you look at that little word, uh, if you have the ESV, it says betrothed. If you have the NIV or NLT, it'll say unmarried, probably. If you have the ESV and you see betrothed, and it has a little number right next to the word, y'all see that? And if you go to the bottom, it'll tell you that word actually means virgins. Um, so just to, as we read through this and you, you see this word come up over and over again, uh, basically this means unmarried people. Um, this betrothal is a very technical thing. It's first century engagement. You could be betrothed to someone for years. Okay. I, I think the ESV might, might over translate the word a little bit. Okay. It just means unmarried people. All right. Um, and that's really cool because here we have the closest thing the Bible ever gives to dating advice. Isn't that great? It's the closest thing you ever get. Now, it may not be what you expect, okay? But, uh, but here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 
starting in verse 25, we'll read to the end of the chapter. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Lord, um, as we are here this morning and are just cognizant of how life has consumed us this week. Um, thank you for the reminder that the present form of this world is passing away and that what, what counts ultimately is you and eternity and what you have for us there. And I just plead, Lord, that as we take that and apply it to our relationships, um, that you would just give us uh, your spirit, that you would help us to be humble before the word, that you would um, just empower us to obey it. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, a lot of us in this room uh, went on the Young Adult Fall Retreat. We took a group of about 35 to Bon Clarkin up in North Carolina. It was really fun, great time. Uh, maybe the highlight of the trip for me was Saturday night when a couple of the, the guys, uh, Stacy's in here, okay, Stacy and Garrett, asked me if they could borrow uh, a boat from the dock uh, and just go out night boating and I was like you guys are adults do whatever you want to you know it's fine um anyways they happened to borrow uh the the only one of the boats that was docked up that had a a hole in it and so uh I'm like you know we're sitting in the bonfire look out and they're like oh my gosh get back to shore you know um anyways uh one of the great fathers of the church uh Augustine of Hippo he once famously called all of human life a sinking ship 
A ship with an unrepairable hole, and the only way to stay afloat is to keep bailing out the water, to keep removing the water from the ship. And every wave that hits, every moment that passes, the hole gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger. One big wave can destroy it. The only thing certain about this ship is it is going to sink. And for a moment, if we can just escape the fog of American life, um, if we can escape our culture that tells us to focus exclusively on our present circumstances and to squeeze every bit of enjoyment out of our present life. Can you not see this is true? Um, you, may, you, may, you may have read the news about this. It's not going away, but our country is in the middle of a health care crisis of sorts. Now, I'm not going to offer any solutions or get political, but the problem is really clear. It is enormously expensive to keep human beings alive and healthy. And in light of the billions of dollars we spend on it, there's only one medical fact that is 100% observably always true. Everybody still dies. Um, the ship still sinks. Consider what uh, Psalm 90 says about all of the years of human life. This is the psalmist speaking to God. He says to God, You sweep them away, the years. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream or as a watch in the night. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, but their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. All of human life, according to this psalm, is swept away with a flood, like a, like a shack against a storm surge, or a sandcastle against the sea. That's how quickly life fades. And e even more than that, just inevitable passing, the fact that you're going to blink and be 35 and blink again and be 50, Right? There are events in, in history that take human life away instantly. You know, Las Vegas happens, right? Hurricanes happen. And all these things are, are just signs to us, and they're reminders to us of what verse 31 says at the end. It says, the present form of this world is passing away. Things as we know it, life as we experiencing it, is passing away. It's not, it's not eternal. It's, it's temporary. It's fleeting. And, and what makes this even crazier? And this is the truth out of the Bible that just sometimes stuns me and sometimes makes me extremely nervous, is that this one short and fleeting life determines the quality of your eternity. Think about that. A billion years from now, in all the ages to come, your happiness will be directly related to your life here on earth. Think about that. People who reject Jesus just for, you know, 70 years, they suffer forever. There are Christians, like we talked about in 1 Corinthians, this was chapter 2, okay, who they live okay. They don't do anything terrible, but their entire life on the day of judgment is swept away from them. They're saved, but just as someone through the flames. And there'll be other people who are just faithful. They're just faithful, and they, they just labor just for 70 years or so. And they are enormously happy forever. The rewards and the consequences of this short, fleeting life are enormous. And it is into this context, uh, this true vision of human life, with all of its fleetingness and its unfathomable weight, that Paul gives us his dating advice. In fact, uh, his dating advice could be essentially, whether you date and marry or whether you don't date and marry, do so with eternity in view. 
See your relationships in light of eternity. Let's look. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 25. Okay, again. Now concerning the betrothed, again, that word is just virgins. It basically means unmarried. All right. And Paul says, I have no command from God. So what he's saying here is not, you need to do this. It's, here's my advice. All right. Um, and he says, here's his advice in verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. And scholars debate about what the present distress is. Is there a famine in Corinth? Are things really crazy? Uh, I think as we'll see in just a second, what Paul's talking about is the distress or the affliction or the pain of living in this present age. And that might be a shocking thing because we live in America and we go home to our soft mattresses and we have air conditioning and coffee machines and whatever, okay? But typically for most human beings in the world, life is very distressful and uncertain. Let me give you an example that sounds like it's out of a movie, okay? Uh, I was reading, again, on my news app, very distracting, uh, about North Korea. I've been following North Korea, and uh, one, new, one, one article almost convinced me to not read any more about North Korea, and it said this, that if North Korea perfected nuclear technology, uh, it's possible that they could detonate a nuclear bomb over the United States, so not, not hit a city, but just detonate it like, three miles up in the air, whatever, okay? And by doing so, knock out the entire U.S. power grid. Okay, and I'm reading this, I'm like, this is out of a book, this is stupid, like, this is fiction, okay? And the article kept going, and I was like, uh, it said that if that happened, and they did so, okay, if the U.S. power grid got knocked out tomorrow, okay, within one year, 90% of the U.S. population would be dead. I was like, there's no way. And then I started thinking about, like, you know, no refrigerators, no AC, no no 18-wheelers restock, like, Think about the hurricane, right? When everyone went to get water on the same day and there was nothing left. Like in, in a week, food's gone. You know, what do you do? And uh, that's far off, okay? But, uh, you know, Rome fell, this, this empire that lasted for thousands of years, um, is suddenly conquered by a group of barbarians from the north, you know? Human life is uncertain. The whole point of that, even in America, even here, even when life is comfortable and secure, and you haven't thought about your safety in weeks, all right? Life is still insecure. And Paul says that's something to consider when you think about marrying. It is, it is much more fun, not fun, okay? But it's much easier when your country is in chaos to be single than to have a family to care for. That's just a reality. This present, you, you, listen to Jesus in Matthew 24. Just re- read, him, read him talking about what the, what the, the end times look like. So Paul says, the present distress, it is good to remain as it is. But that's not his main, that's not his main idea. He clarifies it in verse 29. All right, this is what I mean, brothers. This is kind of like a, hey, back in, here's, here's what I'm really getting at here, okay? Here's, here, this is what I mean. The appointed time has grown very short. Uh, this phrase, appointed time, just means this age. But it gives this, uh, it gives this sense of it's a limited opportunity. Uh, Sarah's got a little side gig right now. She's working for a company called Beauty Counter. It's great. She loves it. Uh, but yesterday, for the first time I think ever, they did a one-day-only buy-one-get-one deal, and they broke the Internet. People were so excited about it. Like their website shut down for a whole day. They had to extend the deal. And, um, you know, people apparently people are just insane about buy-one-get-one. One. But the idea, okay, that you have one day to get this deal. You guys have done that before, right? Okay. You've, you've made purchases you regret. 
because it was a limited time opportunity, you know, a limited opportunity. Uh, and the idea, what, what Paul's saying here is that this life is a limited opportunity. You have one life. It's short. It's fleeting. And the quality of it determines your eternity. And you, believe it or not, according to the Apostle Paul, can be much more effective for the things that matter forever if you are single. And that might be surprising to some of you, but in Paul's view, uh, the freedom, the unencumbered nature of single life makes you more effective for the things that matter forever. You can give yourself without regard. You can give yourself to the Lord without regard for anyone else. Um, and of course, you guys are thinking, well, what about the, what about Ecclesiastes that I read? I heard the wedding the other day, two are better than one. You know, I get that. That's true. Uh, but look at verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Paul then repeats the same thing about married women. Um, when you get married, it is a wonderful blessing from God. It is a provision from him. It gives you companionship. It's, it's a legitimate outlet for your desires. But your life becomes divided. You ever been caught between pleasing two people? Maybe, maybe your parents did this to you sometimes, or friends do. You're, always, you're going to disappoint someone, and it drives you crazy. Well, listen, that is an aspect of married life. Your devotion to the Lord and your devotion to your spouse now compete with each other. That's not a bad thing. And obviously you're devoted to your spouse as you love Jesus. Okay. Um, but, but marriage, I love, guys, I love being married. Marriage, marriage is wonderful. But it requires enormous amounts of energy and time and effort and thought and patience and care. More than I could have imagined when I was single. And, and you, you are responsible for the life of someone else when you get married. And it's a good thing, and it's a glorious thing, and it's a wonderful privilege, but it significantly hinders your unfettered ability to lay up treasure in heaven for Jesus. Uh, we're doing a series on Christian dating and singleness in Connect starting in mid-November. And to get, ready for, uh, to get ready for it, I'm reading this great book uh, entitled Not Yet Married by a guy named Marshall Siegel. I'd recommend it to all of you if you're, incur if you're curious about this topic. He's very quotable, and he says this. <laughs> might be an overstatement, but he says, Marriage murders spontaneity. Marriage destroys your ability to say yes to people in need. Um, think about it. you got a friend who's in need, who you know is struggling. They call you at 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday night. You're single. You answer the phone. Duh, of course you do. You're married? Probably not. It's wifey time, okay? I haven't seen her all day. Like, we're hanging out. She's my priority now. You have a wonderful ministry opportunity on Tuesday night. People are just begging you to tell them about Jesus, okay? But it requires every Tuesday for the next six months. If you're single, you can commit. If you're married, maybe not. I don't know. Married with kids? No, wait. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, but seriously, children, okay? Uh, children, uh, and I, I just... I, I, you guys don't believe this, so I'm just going to expand upon this just for a second, okay? Uh, children, um, multiply this division, okay? I'll, I'll give you last Sunday, okay? I, uh, as a pastor, you know, Sunday is the most important day of my week. 
I spend a, I get up real early on Sundays and prepare. And last week I was up super early, prepared, prayed, thinking through the lesson, everything was great. And uh, 8.15 arrives, I'm dressed, ready to go. I'm like about to head out the door and go knock some stuff out. It was great. And then Nora has awoken and she has had a blowout, which is a severe diaper malfunction. <laughs> and uh, this particular one was so bad that it was a two-person job, okay? Wow. Like, I, like strip, strip the church clothes off, okay? Roll your sleeves up, you know, put an apron on, not really, okay? But seriously, all right? And just get into it for a few minutes, okay? And, and all of my, like, you know, all of these great thoughts and meditations I had are just gone, you know? I'm cleaning a baby up right now. Anyways, uh, I don't want to paint the wrong picture about marriage, though. Um, notice what the passage says. It says that his interests are divided. Uh, it's not that I just wish I could do more ministry and marriage is holding me back. No, 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 no. My heart, what I want to do is divided. I love being with Sarah. I love my children. I love being married. And that love is always competing with my love for Jesus. Okay? It's all, it's, there's always a tension. Even... even Sarah and Nora aren't trying to compete with my love for Jesus. They just are. It's just the nature of married life. There's this split devotion. And so in light of all that, in light of the divided nature of married life and the weight of this one life that you have and what it means for eternity, here is Paul's advice. Not his command, his advice. Verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good It's good for a person to remain as he is. It's a good thing. Um, So I just want to make one big point and a couple small points in application about this. All right. And the application is not don't get married. I'm not going to say that. Last week, okay, you read the passage. If you're not gifted to be married, all right, or if you're not gifted to not be married, okay, being able to be content and be single is a gift from God. So if you're Look in the future and like, I cannot imagine life without a spouse. I would go crazy. It would kill me. Okay. I could never be content. All right. Might be some idolatry there, but okay. It probably means that you're not gifted to be single. Okay. And it would, it would even be potentially dangerous for you uh, to intentionally not marry. That's you. Okay. But here's what I am going to say. Embrace this single season of your life as a good gift of God. It's not a burden. It's not something that's bad. It's not less fulfilling than your married life would be. It is a good thing that God has given you. It's a gift. The Apostle Paul, when he looks through time and he sees eternity, he sees the possibilities of a single life and how good it could be for the kingdom and how much you can pour out for other people, how much impact you can make for Jesus. He sees a single life as a good thing. And so, listen, I, I was single before I got married, obviously, duh. And uh, I think one thing about embracing the single season is uh, just realizing that a lot of it is really difficult. Okay, you have this question mark over the future of your life. You're always thinking about it. Um, you, you're lo- going home alone and it being quiet. You know, that's, that's rough. Um, it can be... You're struggling with different desires and things. Well-meaning people say the worst, stupidest things to you, and it drives you crazy. Every time you go home, mom's like, have you met anybody yet? You know, like, like it's just not helpful, okay? Uh, and, and you think, if I met somebody, my problems would be solved. Actually, when you meet somebody, it gets worse for a little while. 
All of a sudden, all of a sudden you're like, oh, like every day you like you're just waiting for their text messages to come. You're just like, please, like, send, you know, like you're, 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 you're you have this relationship now that can end in disaster. Until they say I do, there is this giant question mark, okay, that could just ruin your life if it goes wrong. So, guys, being single is rough, all right, but we have to learn to not be grumpy about it. To, to take the season of life we're in with all of its difficulties and all of its struggles and say, this is just as good as marriage. It's different. My problems are different. The benefits are different. It's just as good. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to use it. I'm going to take my life right now where it is. Because no, no one ever got a spouse by being grumpy about not having a spouse, right? You might as well, wherever you're at, you might as well, you might as well take the season and use it for God and his glory. Just embrace where you're at. Um, I'm a runner. For some reason, I keep talking about running with you guys. I don't do it that much. I don't know why. It's like five lessons in a row. I just have significant thoughts when I run. I don't know. Anyways, um, my running life has been kind of a parable uh, to my relationship life in the last seven or eight years. When I was single, I ran whenever I wanted to, or however fast I wanted to, wherever I wanted to, or I could run as fast or slow as I wanted to, right? Um, I just did it. I could run the Ravenel Bridge. I could do the treadmill. I could go out in the woods and run a trail. I could get in my car and drive an hour to dri- run somewhere pretty. I never did that, okay? But I could if I wanted to. I complete freedom. 6 a.m., 11 p.m., whatever. Night runs were great. Uh, I get married, and Sarah starts running with me. And it's wonderful to have a running companion. It's great. We get to talk. But the running was different. It was like, you know, like, like uh, I'm going too fast. I'm going, I don't know if you've ever had a running partner before, but, like, like we, we can't figure out each other's pace. And some days she wakes up with the eye of the tiger and wants to go like five minutes and just she's killing me. You know, some days I want to run for 10 miles and she's like, I hate you, you know. Um, and now I have a kid, okay. You know, how, you know when I run? I run pushing a stroller, okay. And I'm just, it's a great workout, okay. I want to say that, all right. It's a great workout. Buy a stroller, put a 35-pound weight in it, okay, and run, <laughs> all right, and see what it's like. It's a great workout, okay. Uh, and each of, those, each of those phases of my running life have been wonderful, all right? But what I want to say now is I do not have nearly the freedom I used to have. I can't go as fast as I want to, just physically, okay? It's a stroller, right? I can't go where I want to. I can't run when I want to. My life has a, like, I don't know if you guys know uh, what a governor on a vehicle is. They used to drive church buses, okay? And they have a governor on them. The, church, the bus could only go 67 miles per hour, all right? And it was, just drove me crazy, all right? Marriage is a God-given, wonderful, good governor on your life. You can't go as hard for the Lord when you get married. It's just a reality. You have people God has given you responsible for. But when you're single, you have freedom. Your life is unhindered. You can go as hard as you want to for Jesus. You can lay up treasure in heaven at whatever rate you want to. Think about that. You can unreservedly give your life away to other people you can you with no regard to anyone else right you can just say yes to people's needs you can say yes to mission trips you can do that however you want to it's a wonderful season uh but it's not typically how most of us use it i think one of my biggest regrets in life is that i just didn't use my singleness well i used my singleness worried about getting married um, there were a lot of things I could have said yes to that I didn't. I, was, I, I used my singleness 
either to worry about getting married or just to enjoy myself. That's that's the pattern. A, a lot of us, a lot of the re, a, a lot of the reason we're struggling with our single stage of life is that we're either using it just to enjoy ourselves, right, or we're we're already divided, right. We already are so worried about married that our life is already divided. And I I think the reason for this is not that we're like our life circumstances are different than what the Corinthians were here. But I think a lot of us, to some degree, have never experienced what verse 32 says, being anxious to please the Lord. Think about, will that describe your life? Um, Worried, concerned, distracted by, consumed with pleasing Jesus. You know, is that the last thing you think about when you go to sleep at night or wake up in the morning? I was reading John, uh, John 21 this morning. I've been going through John and my devotions. And uh, this is the scene where Jesus restores Peter. And uh, Peter has denied Jesus three times. And in restoring Peter, he asks him the same question three times in a row. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it's a real simple question, right? Just, do you love me? And I think this morning... All right. I think the Lord would ask us to look at our lives and how we use them, how, how we're using the season we're in. And he might just ask me, do, do you love me? Does your life show it? Does the way you're using your free time show it? Is, is your state of heart? The really good news of this passage is that Jesus, the same one who asked us this very painful question, is the one who died for people who did not love him. Christ Christ paid with his life. He lived perfectly, and he died as a substitute for people who did not love them, and he was raised into new life, and he stands this morning ready to give you the power to live for him. You know, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15 says that Jesus died for all, that those who, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The purpose of the cross was not just to forgive your sins, but to free you from them. This morning, Jesus Christ has the power to enable you to embrace your season of life and to enable you to freely give yourself to others. He's here willing to do that. Come to him in faith. Receive that from him. And the gospel also tells us that... Because of the victory that Jesus won, that the sinking ship of human life lands in paradise. It was really funny. uh, Stacy and Garrett barely made it back to the dock, like just barely. And uh, Stacy like hops out the boat, and he's like, "Whew, just my boots got wet," you know. And uh, guys, that's the life of a Christian. We all taste death. We're just going to taste it. But after that tiny little taste comes life forever. And every little deed you've done for Jesus, every unremembered act of service, every word spoken in his name, rewarded forever. That's where your life is going. That's his destination. And so in light of all this, look at, uh, look at verse 29. Hear this again. So what I mean, brothers, the appointed time is going very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy 
as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Paul would have us, wherever we are, single, married, in between, wherever you're at, he would say, do not let your life consume you. Let Christ and his kingdom and the rewards he promises you, let those consume you. You know, if you come this morning and, and you are just, you are consumed with your life right now, get alone with God, meditate on his word, think about the promises he gives, the future he has for you, until that is the, that is the, those are the thoughts of your heart. Get with him, think about it, pray about it, let the truth soak in you. Focus your eyes on the unseen. Set your heart there. You know, if, you're, uh, if you are single and relationally frustrated, that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. But seek first, even before a spouse, seek first the kingdom of God. Put it first. If, 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 you, if you're Monday tomorrow morning and your dealings with the world already have you stressed out, if you're dreading it, all right, you need to be with the Lord so much that you can go into your workplace with an eternal perspective seeing that Jesus rewards you for your faithfulness on Monday morning. And that will radically change your life. Uh, something I learned new about ships, uh, oftentimes people will put extra weight in them, called ballast. They're, they're weights that are put in ships in strategic places to help them float well. And what it does, it, it enables the ship to keep its course, you know, regardless of waves, regardless of holes, whatever, enables the ship to stay balanced in the waves. And guys, focusing on eternity, setting your heart there, letting the, the realities of Jesus and his kingdom govern you, it'll be ballast for your life. Your life will have a steady direction. Whatever your circumstances are, whether single, whether married, whether in between, God will give you ballast and balance for your life. May he do so today. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just ask you this morning, uh, wherever we are, busy or bored or whatever circumstances are before us, we just pray that you would enable us by the Spirit to fix our eyes on eternity and to live in light of all that you are and all that you give. We pray to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.